and I had 200 bucks. And the question is, what do you do with your last 200 bucks? And the answer for me is simple. You buy pizza. And the reason you buy pizza, so I figured if I took my resume, because there weren't many internet companies, and at the time they were pretty much all engineers, and they were all like 10 to 15 people big. If I took my resume and I put it in the cheese, you really smash it in the cheese, and you send it to these companies, and I dropped it off, somebody was going to be hungry and want to see it, and they'd have to pull my resume out. They literally have to pull it out. And I thought maybe somebody called. And guess what? Somebody did. A guy named Bill Peck. He ended up becoming the father of internet advertising. And he was laughing. And he said, I don't know if I have a job for you. But I promise if I don't, I'll find you one. And it changed my life. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Hey, we're on a roll here bringing you super special guests, and today is no exception. And I am not even going to waste any time clowning around with all of like the front end bumper of the podcast. I want to dive right in with our guest because you are going to get so much out of him. Um, let's bring on the screen and into your headphones all around the world, Scott Duffy. Scott, thank you so much for being with us. It's great to be here. You know I'm such a big fan. I know that a lot of people have probably seen your work, um, as I had when we first uh, spoke, so they know about you. Um, some people know a lot about you because you have tons of followers and fans all around the world. But if somebody is a is new to Scott Duffy, a listener of the podcast and new to Scott Duffy, um, you have such a fascinating and for me, super inspirational story. I want to start there um, and I'll get everybody caught up. So if you're like, wait a minute, I don't know. Don't, don't turn, don't tune out of the podcast just yet. Cause you're going to love this. Um, you're going to love what Scott has been able to do with his life. It's absolutely amazing. Um, tell me how we end up here talking to each other, Scott. Well, we ended up here talking to each other because of our mutual friend, David Meltzer and Dave, who is somebody that I know that, um, that, that you've done work with. Dave has been a huge inspiration to me in my life. And hopefully we get to talk about some of that today. Um, but, you know, I, I think it just, it all is a great testament to network. It's a great, you know, testament to, you know, you are the people that you hang around with. You are the people that you're with. And, um, and uh, yeah, so it was Dave that brought us, brought us together. So tell me the entrepreneurial story. How does this journey all get started? I mean, were you just uh, uh, either born with a silver spoon in your mouth or were you like that kid that, you know, had the lemonade stand? How, how did we get, how did we get on this entrepreneurial tip? Well, I think that like my first, my first real experience of entrepreneurship came when I was a freshman in college and it was kind of funny how it happened. It happened by accident. I got some really great advice from one of my family members before I went to my first week of school. I went to school at University of San Diego. And what they told me is on your first day of school, before you go to class, go to the career counseling department and get to know the person that runs it. Build a relationship with that person and tell them that in the summer, 
right? The school year ends in the summer. You want to work and you want to get like a great internship. And so that's what I did. And back then, like getting a great internship was working for FedEx or IBM or Microsoft or companies like that. And one day, you know, a few months into the school year, the head of the department, this guy, he calls me and he's like, Scott, he goes, I have got the perfect opportunity for you. So I'm totally fired up. I remember I got my car. I went to school. I went to, to his office and I asked him, I said, what is it? You know, who is it? Thinking it's like IBM or Microsoft one of these companies. And he said this, he said, the opportunity is with triple A student painters. And I'm like, student painters? And he's like, no, not student painters, triple A student painters. And he said, and he started to laugh. He said, look, here's the thing. He said, I just look at you and I just see an entrepreneur like through and through. And he said, and we can match you up with one of these big companies. But what we recommend is go and get a franchise of a company and really learn, um, learn how to, to build a business from the ground up. Learn how to write a plan. Learn how to build a team. Learn how to manage your expenses, all those types of things, and build a successful company. And so that's what I did. And by the way, it was a total disaster. Like everything I did in my first service business was a total failure. And the reason was this. The reason was, it's so funny because with franchises or, or companies similar, they give you the formula. They say, here it is. This is what's worked. Just do this. But sometimes with entrepreneurs like me back then, I look at the book and then I'm like, well, maybe I should do this different or maybe I could do this better. And so while I was off doing like this stuff over there, there were people over here that were doing the right thing in the right way. And they were following the play. Those people were making a hundred students were making a hundred thousand dollars a summer. And then you've got somebody like me that's struggling to keep the business open. And what I think I learned at that time was, you know, there's really two ways to learn. There's trial and error, which takes valuable time and money, or there's modeling. And with modeling, what do you do? You find people out there or businesses out there that are producing the, the results that you want. You know, you find out what they're doing, their beliefs, their strategy, their syntax, the order in which they're doing things. Do the same things to produce the same results. And for me, that was just kind of a great lesson in that. And, and so I think that starting, I mean, I, Oh my gosh, so many issues. But that that was how I got started as a, a student painter. What were you studying at university? Well, I actually had a dual major. So I was studying, I was a religious studies major and a communication major. And it was religious studies because I really love studying people and why people do what they do. And I think that for me, it was a perfect segue. And I didn't even know it would be into how I started my career, which was working for Tony Robbins. So I was doing the student painting thing, having a great time. I was going to school. And, um, and we had this tradition when I was down in school in San Diego, where after the midterm exams in the fall and in the, in, in the, uh, in the spring, what would happen was all the students would get in our cars and we had nine hours south to San Felipe, Mexico. And we would basically just like have a great time. We like be there and like party for a weekend or whatever it was. And in my third year of school, my junior year, I ended up finishing my tests early and I decided to be one of the first cars down and set up. And if you've ever been to like Baja, Mexico, maybe some of you who are listening, you can relate to what it is I'm talking about. 
Um, back then, you go down to Baja, Mexico, and you had these federal highways. And there would literally be one lane in each direction, and then desert as far as you could see. And for some reason, there'd be points in, this, in, in the road where the road would rise, and there'd be like a drop, like a slope, like a hill on each side, and then just a, a flat desert. And I think that those were, were like floodplains. I think that's why those were there. Anyway, we were driving our car going about 90 miles an hour and we were screaming down this road and there was a truck that had gone off the side of the road and didn't see us and tried to gun it back up and we didn't see him. And we hit this guy going like 90 miles an hour and it was the worst day of my life. And the question I always ask people is this, the question I always ask is how many times in your life have you been going down the road in life or in business? Maybe you're doing everything right. Maybe in business, that means you had the perfect idea. You had the perfect plan. You built the perfect team. You executed flawlessly. And then something out of nowhere came and it completely knocked you off course. You know, maybe it was um, an illness in the family. Maybe it was something that happened over here with an employer or a partner. Maybe it was something like COVID that came out of nowhere. And everything you did up to that point, every plan you wrote, email you sent, call that you made, you had to start, you had to throw out and you had to start over. Well, that's exactly what happened to me. I ended up with two brain hemorrhages. I had to drop out of school and it took me a while to recover. And one day while I was doing that, you know, I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything because everything made me sick because of my head injuries. And one day my roommate came in and he had a, a tape and he said, my dad thinks you should listen to this. And it was a motivational book on tape. And I started to listen to it really low in the background. And before he knew it, I had a library. And as I got better, I decided because I thought that these people with the way that they talked about mindset had helped me to get better. And I wanted to finish college and then intern for any of them. And the first person I applied to intern for was Tony Robbins. And it was only because he was the closest person to where I live. But instead of an internship, he gave me a job. So I think Robbins, that company hired me when I was 20. He was 30. So we were both really young. But that's really how I started my career. And I remember, you know, about a year into it, I was with him. We were at an event up in Seattle. And I said, Tony, so I don't know if you remember how I got here in the first place. Like I was like cruised along, you know, having the time of my life. And then this thing came and it knocked me, just knocked me on my butt out of nowhere. And I went down the store and he put up his hands. And have you ever seen Tony? He's got big hands. When he puts up those hands, you stop. And he said to me, he said, Scott, he said, in life and business, I always want you to remember one thing. And it's this. We have good days and we have bad days, but we don't know which is which until sometime way down the line because you don't know what you're going to make of the experience. And then he went on to say this. He said, you know, all these experiences and things that you're talking about, you're giving them all this meaning and nothing in life has any meaning other than the meaning that you give it. So give that experience, give that time some kind of meaning that serves you, that works for you, that's going to help to move you forward. And so that's really how I ended up by accident, literally by accident, kicking off my career. So you don't know what, what any particular point in your life actually is going to mean until you've had the opportunity to integrate it fully into life experience. Right. You end up working with Tony, looking back, what was the meaning of that? 
I think what it did is it helped to really um, shape my mind, uh, my mindset around what was possible. And it wasn't necessarily about being around him. It was around being around the people that were attracted to him. You know, people who are like each other tend to like each other. People who are really badass at something hang around other people that are badass at that thing. People who are fit hang around fit people. People who don't take care of themselves hang. And so what was really cool about being around him and where I think that the meaning gets attached is it was all about this being around people that had overcome these incredible odds, people that had gone through crazy accidents or illnesses or just these, these, these experiences that you couldn't even make up. And what, how they basically learned to repackage these things in their head in a way that's supported them in getting the things that they wanted moving forward. And so I think, I think that that was it. So you graduate, you fi- figure it out, you graduate from college? I did. No, no. I, I left no. when I was 20 to go work for him. So you, you go with him, um, and then when you leave him, what's the next step? Well, I worked in the training business for, for a while, um, kind of in my, in my early 20s and, and um, towards, towards my mid-20s. But I think then what happened was I just got bit by the technology bug. I, I kind of hit a point in my life where, um, you know, and I think that we all have these moments where we're doing something, whether it's a hobby, it's a career, whatever it is, and you kind of reach a point where all of a sudden you just burn out of it. Like you just, it just doesn't turn you on anymore. And that's kind of what happened, you know, for me with training. Um, it was a crazy travel schedule and we were never home and, and I just, you know, one day. And so what did I do? What I did, I was still a young guy is I came back um, to Southern California and um, I got a job at a bar. I was working at this place called Chillers in Santa Monica. And it was, we made these like Slurpee drinks, you know, out of the thing, it was a blast. So I was working at Chillers and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And, you know, I, 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 I went through this, this like period where, you know, and I think it's other people have gone through this also where I had all this energy, I had all this drive. I knew if I just got a chance somewhere, I'd do a great job, but it didn't matter what I did. I couldn't seem to find it. I couldn't seem to find like a fit. And it was really frustrating for me. It was a really hard time until the same guy who gave me that tape, that first motivational tape, he calls me out of nowhere. And he's like, he's like, he called me Duff for Duffy. He's like, Duff, what are you doing these days? I said, nothing. He said, great. He said, we're going to start a company. And I said, what kind of company? He said, what does it matter? You just told me you're not doing anything. Let's go start a company. (laughs) I overthink it. So here's the deal. The internet first became commercial, meaning kind of like graphical user interface in October of 1994. And that's when Mark Andreessen launched Mosaic. So this was December. And in December of 1994, just a couple months later, we started our first internet company. And it was a consumer internet access business, meaning we tried to sell the lines so you could connect with your phone. Company, total disaster. Nobody knew what it was we were talking about. Um, we didn't know what we were talking about. But going back to Tony and the meaning behind things, what happened was I was exposed to some guys at Stanford working on a project that became Yahoo. 
in some guys at Carnegie Mellon working on something that became Alta Vista, in some other things in San Francisco that were all happening in the universities. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. I got to do that. Here's the problem. I didn't know anybody in San Francisco. I knew a couple people in San Francisco, but I didn't know how to get in. So I ended up going on what I call the couch tour. And the couch tour is when you take your tips from chillers on the nights that you're not working and you get in your car and you go stay on your friend's couch and you knock on doors. I did it for about six months until eventually I basically just ran out of money and I ran out of couches. And I remember on what I think was maybe one of the toughest days of my life, I, I was um, totally out of cash. I had me. You know, I had enough money to get home for gas. I didn't have a place to sleep. I couldn't get a hold of anybody. I was sleeping in my car in this dirt parking lot outside of a company called Oracle in Foster City. And a family member called me. And the family member was just like, we don't understand what you're doing. You know, we, the family's been in the business, had been in this industry for 50 years. We think you should come home. And we think you should go to work tomorrow in this business. And that's the plan that we all basically have for you. And so you're going to make a decision. Here's the thing in life. So many times for all of us, we have those decisions that we have to make that will take us in one of two really different directions. And so for me, I had to decide whether I should go home or I should stay. And the decision I made was to go home. So I literally I turned on the car. I drove home overnight. I got back to LA. I had an apartment with my sister. I owed back rent. And, um, and that was really a problem with my family. And so what I did is I took everything out of my bedroom and I went to a pawn shop down in Santa Monica. And I took everything that I had, which wasn't much. I had a Rolex that I bought when I worked for Tony Robbins. I had my high school ring from Loyola High School. I had a bracelet a girl gave me in college. I had stuff like that, and I sold everything. The only thing they wouldn't take was my basketball and my filing cabinet, and I remember it to this day because of how shitty they talked to me. And I sold everything, and I took the money, and I paid back what I owed on the rent and stuff like that. In the same day, I drove back up to the Bay Area, and I had 200 bucks. And the question is, what do you do with your last 200 bucks? And the answer for me is simple. You buy pizza. And the reason you buy pizza, so I figured if I took my resume, because there weren't many internet companies, and at the time they were pretty much all engineers, and they were all like 10 to 15 people big. If I took my resume and I put it in the cheese, you really smash it in the cheese, and you send it to these companies, and I dropped it off, somebody was going to be hungry and want to see it, and they'd have to pull my resume out. They literally have to pull it out. And I thought maybe somebody called. And guess what? Somebody did. A guy named Bill Peck. He ended up becoming the father of internet advertising. And he was laughing. And he said, I don't know if I have a job for you. But I promise if I don't, I'll find you one. And it changed my life. And from there, I went on to be on the startup team, early stage team of a company called Sportsline. Um, we ended up going public. And through an acquisition, doing a deal with CBS to become CBSSports.com. Uh, Zoom.com um, was on the, 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 the launch team there. Uh, we became the, the eighth largest site on the internet uh, back in the late 90s at that time. Um, sold to NBC for $4.4 billion to create NBC Internet. 
Um, I then uh, moved back to LA where uh, with Ross Levinson, a small group, we, we launched foxsports.com. Um, and then later on, um, starting a company that was like Expedia for private jets and selling it to Virgin and running it for kind of Richard Branson and that group for a couple of years. So, you know, I kind of, I look back and, and I think about those experiences that you talked about. And, um, you know, I think that the meaning attached was that no matter what was happening, because it doesn't matter what industry we're in, how successful or not it looks on the outside, right? As entrepreneurs, as service providers, we all have highs and lows. We all have ups and downs. We all have things that can completely take us off course and take down the business from one at one time or another. What I learned being around these incredible entrepreneurs was the thing that they all shared was this ability to repackage anything that happened in a way that served them. And so for me, that was the big lesson. And I think one more was this. I learned that in a really tough time, just because somebody loves you does not mean they know what's best for you. Just because somebody loves you does not mean they know what's best for you. I learned that um, the importance of the people around you and that you spend your time with, like you are literally no more, no less than the average of the five people you spend your time with. And for somebody that doesn't believe me, it's this simple. Just do this. If you were to take a piece of paper and write down the names of the people, five people you spend the most time with, and next to each name, write down what you think they earn, then add it all up and divide by five, five people. The odds are that's exactly what you earn. It's crazy. And you can apply that to any area of your life. So I, I learned just because somebody loves you doesn't mean they know what's best for you. I learned that, that you are the, the average of those five, five people. I learned that people with limited or small visions of themselves can never have a bigger vision for you. People with small visions of themselves can never have a big vision for you. And I think I also learned that you don't always need to lead in your life or in your business if you have the heart to come from behind. Highs and lows. And we got a kind of an overview there of, of what you've gone through. What would you say has been your lowest low and your biggest high so far in life? Oh man, that one's easy. So in 2008, you know, I, I had sold a company to Verge and I was running it for, for, for that group. And, um, you know, I, I was, was spending a lot of time with Branson and all over the media and stuff like that. And honest to goodness, I really felt like I was living my dream. And, you know, I'm this hero entrepreneur had made a bunch of money, all that kind of stuff. And then 2008 in the market crash and literally in a matter of months, I went from having what I thought was everything to nothing. I, I went, you know, I lost everything. I went over $400,000 in debt, uh, pregnant. We had our first child pregnant with the, the second child all the same time. Um, we had, uh, you know, I lost, we lost the business, like everything that could have gone been hard seemed to all happen at once. And like all that happened in about a nine month period. And the truth is I did not, I wasn't built for that. 
at that time. I did not mentally have the psychology or the strength to really understand how to power through. I thought I did, but I didn't. And so I get, I, you know, I did, you know, what I guess I, I think any good entrepreneur would do at that time, which is pretty much curl up in the fetal position in my bedroom and just, just lay there for about a year, completely lost. I was so freaking lost. And, and, and I think that, you know, what I did is I started to, to come out was I started to do what I think most people do when they've been successful at something and things go sideways is we tend to go back to what we did that made us successful. And we do the same thing, but we do it more and harder, more and harder, more and harder, more and harder instead of learning new skills. So what was happening was the market was changing, but I wasn't. So add that to the pile of crap that was already going on. And then one day, it's like everything changed like that. One day I got a call from an old friend and he goes, he called me Duff too for Duff. He goes, hey Duff, I hear you're looking for a job. You want to run a company? And I said, yes. He goes, you're hired. I'm like, I'm hired. What am I going to do? And he's like, what's it matter? You're out of work. Take the job. And so, so I said, I said, awesome. I'm just like, this is cool. He said, so, but here's what I want you to do. Come meet me for lunch today in a town called Pasadena. And he said, I'm going to walk you through it. So, I mean, like, I mean, truth be told, I was bawling, crying when we got off the phone. I went to my, my, my ex-wife. I, I went to my wife at the time and, and we, we like hugged it out. And we're like, it is finally over. We made it. So I go and I sit down to have lunch with them. And I said, thank you so much. What is that I'm going to run? And he said, I've decided you're not going to run the company anymore. You're going to be a salesman. And I said, awesome. What am I going to sell? And his answer was P. I said, P? He said, yeah. He said, I just bought a research lab. And we specialize in processing urine. He said, you know, you go to a doctor's office, you pee in a cup. He said, we take that sample and we put it in the machine, we spin it, and we generate a report. And we send it back to the doctor so they can tell the patient what's going on. He said, what I want you to do is call in all the doctor's offices in Southern California and win their pee business. He said, in one year, if we do this right, you're going to be the king of pee. <laughs> that was my first freaking job offer after running a company for Virgin. <laughs> it's true. And, and let me just tell you something. I was so, this is going to sound cheesy. I was so pissed. I was so mad. I'm like, <laughs> how did that guy offer me that job? My ego was so in the way. What I really needed was to pay my rent. What I really, and, and I just want to paint a picture um, because a, a lot of people, you know, you hear the, 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 the big brands that I've worked for and I, I work for again today, you know, it took a while to try, turn around and have all that kind of stuff. You hear those things. And sometimes people think, well, it's so easier, this, that. I just want you to know. I mean, during this period, I couldn't pay my rent. We had times, days where we had our cars in the driveway with no gas. I couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't even go to the market. We had no money. I mean, it was, it could, it was so bad. It was so hard. And now I get a job offer to sell pee. Like, come on. Could somebody give me a break?
That's what happened. And I didn't take it because I was too proud. And it was one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life. And so I just continued to struggle until finally I hit what I think was probably the worst, the hardest day of my life. And, um, and I pulled over, I was driving my car and I just started bawling. And I was in Costa Mesa. I live in Newport Beach. I was in Costa Mesa right next door. And I called our mutual friend, Dave Meltzer. And I said, Dave, I said, and I was just losing it on the phone. I go, Dave, I said, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I said, I've been a part of building all this. I built really successful stuff. I've made lots of money. I have incredible mentors and people around me. And everyone says I'm doing my business right, but I'm getting nowhere. And I said, I don't know what to do. And he said this, Dave Meltzer said, starting today, we're going to stop working on your business and we're going to start working on your head. And that was the moment my life changed. And he said, starting today, there's four things that we're going to do. He said, number one, he said, starting right now, by the way, this is how you turn it around. This is how you do it. And it doesn't mean you don't have to be in the situation that I was in. You know, you could be in whatever situation or frustration or stuckness or whatever you're in. He said, this is what you do. Number one, he said, starting today, you're going to be absolutely, totally a thousand percent accountable for everything in your life. It was no, it's no longer the market. It's you. It's no longer, they don't get it. It's you. It's no longer, that's number one. Number two is he said, you're going to forgive yourself for everything. To me, that was the hardest part. So number one, we're going to be accountable. Number two, you're going to forgive yourself. Number three, he said, we're going to find the lesson in everything. And number four, we're going to be grateful for it. And that guy, Dave Meltzer, for one year, every single day, made me talk to him. And when I say made me talk to him, I was so filled with embarrassment. The last thing I wanted to do was get on the phone. But he would chase me down. And so every day I talked to him, I called him or he called me for one year. And he was helping me find lessons every day. But the thing that really turned it was gratitude. Because he said to me, we're going to find the gratitude. I'm like, that's a bullshit. Why would I ever be grateful for anything going on right now? And what I learned is this. What I learned is gratitude changes everything. It changes everything because it shifts your perspective from what you don't have to what you have. And so what he said is, every morning you're going to set a gratitude alarm. I've had it on my phone for years, 7.30 in the morning, it goes off. And what do I do? I say three things out loud that I'm grateful for. Right away, I'm conditioning my mind. I'm an overachiever. I'm a high D. So what do I do? At night, at 7.30, I do the same thing. And so twice a day, I'm starting to recondition my mind to focus on things that are good. And what happens is whatever in life you pay attention on, whatever you focus on, you get. I remember when I worked for Tony Robbins, one of the exercises I used to teach when I'd be up on stage was I'd say, have everybody stand up and say, take a look around at this room. And I want you to look at this room and, and in your mind, okay, I want you for 10 seconds to pick out everything that you see that's blue. Blue, 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 blue. I have a blue poster. I have a blue screensaver. Blue, blue, blue. There's blue in that painting. Blue, blue, blue in the ocean outside. And I'd say, close your eyes and tell me everything that you saw that was green or yellow or orange. It was all right there. 
And you see, the problem is that when times are tough, what mo most of us focus on is the brown. We focus on the crap, but gratitude changes all that. And so again, it was those four steps. It was, we're accountable for everything. We forgive ourselves for everything. We find the less in everything and, we'll gr and we're grateful for it. And just one last thing. If you want extra credit, here's what I did. I wanted my kids to develop this attitude of gratitude. I wanted them to learn the lesson that Dave taught me. And so what I did is I made the alarm on my phone, whatever my kid's favorite song was at the time. So the first gratitude I had alarm I had at 7.30 in the morning at night was that stupid ass Barney song, that purple dinosaur. That, I love you. You love, you love me. <laughs> they would hear that. And then we would all come together and we would all say thank you out loud. And my kids are 11 and 12 now. And to this day, every day that we're together, we celebrate gratitude twice a day. Yeah. It, so that that's that's the that's the that's the low, the biggest low. And I think that the high is the lesson of gratitude that Dave taught me. That's awesome. Hey, if you're not yet in Black Diamond Club, today's one of those days that you know you got to jump in the Black Diamond Club because we're about to take Scott over into the Black Diamond Club for some exclusive content. But I would be crazy remiss on so many levels if I did not um, put in the public-facing podcast what you're up to now. Um, I'm going to fill in some of those gaps between there and what you're doing now. But let's jump to um, what's up with what now. What is that? What's that all about? Um, and what do you got cooking with that? Well, this is, I think, the most exciting you know thing I've ever worked on. I think you know, we've talked about this at length and, and you're a partner in this business that we take a look out and, you know, it, it, it's really crazy. If there's anything I've learned in the last year with COVID, it's that politicians aren't going to solve all these issues that we have today. It's people like you and me, it's entrepreneurs that identify what the big problems are, that figure out how to solve them, that figure out how to finance them. And we've never had a time where we needed a bigger army of entrepreneurs out there right? Solving things that are going on on this planet. And so what we've done with the, the What Now Academy is built an online school for entrepreneurs that will help entrepreneurs understand what to do now and what's coming next to build a great business. And our faculty is made up of over 25 of the top entrepreneurs and innovators in the world today. So people from some of the biggest brands on the planet. And so what's really cool is as opposed to learning from, you know, an Instagram influencer or somebody that, that maybe hasn't gone out there and built it themselves, the people that, that are, are teaching, the people that are trained, the people that you're learning from are the people that have actually been in the trenches, just like you and me. And so they're sharing their explip. There's two ways, two places that we can get the information that we take in to build a company. The first is what I call opinion. The second is counsel. Opinions come from people who may love us. They want the best from us. They're like, um, they're incredible supporters. And when we ask them a question, we ask them for something. What they do is they share with us their opinion on how to move forward. They don't have any direct experience doing what it is that we're doing or what we want to achieve. So basically everything they share is just a guess versus counsel. Counsel comes from people that have literally lived it, walked in your shoes, 
achieved what it is that you want to achieve, gotten through what it is that you're trying to get through. That's who we have as faculty in this academy. It's people that have lived it and breathed it each and every day. And that, that's really what it's all about. Well, you can tell that you're pretty excited about that project. That was <laughs> super awesome. Um, I'm going to wrap up right there, the None of Your Business podcast. And I got to tell you, man, I'm sure it's going to go off inside of the Black Diamond Club. Check us out at www.blackdiamondclub.com. Just like with Scott Duffy, you can all call him Duff if you want, <laughs> apparently. Just like with Scott, we bring you exclusive extra content exclusive to our Black Diamond Club members with every single one of these None of Your Business podcasts that we do. So make sure you check us out. Hey, if uh, you're not in Black Diamond Club, uh, we're going to sign off from here. We super appreciate you checking in with us. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Hey, everybody loves to see positive reviews. Show Scott some love. Let us know if you appreciated the episode. Leave us a review there. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss another episode. And as always, we'll be back again next week with a brand new edition of the None of Your Business podcast.